There's a story told of a Chinese farmer who lived many, many years ago, and he had only one old horse that he used for uh, tilling the ground. And the horse ran off. The horse ran away, obviously leaving the man then with no way of farming. And his neighbour said to him, we're so sorry for your bad luck. And he responded, good luck, bad luck. Who knows? So a week later, the horse came back, bringing with it four or five other wild horses. So now he gets his horse back, plus four or five others. Delighted with himself. And the neighbour said to him, well, you know, we're just delighted with your good luck. And he says, well, good luck, bad luck, who knows? So then one of his sons was riding one of these new horses, got thrown off the horse and broke his leg. And then the neighbour said, oh, we're sorry for your bad luck. And the farmer said, in his wisdom, good luck, bad luck, who knows? And then later on, a week later, the army was passing through and they were conscripting all of the young men to come fight in a battle. But because the son had a broken leg, he was left, left to stay at home. Point of the simple story is very, very often we see certain things as good luck and see certain things as bad luck, but we forget that there is a bigger picture in all of this. Right? There's a, a, a wonderful line from, from St. Paul to the, to the Romans, uh, chapter 8, 38, where he says, God turn, turns all things to the good for those who love him. God turns all things to the good for those who love him. So if we follow the Lord, if we are interested in following his direction in our lives, whatever happens, we can turn it to the good. So if something good happens, this should lead us to pray and thank and, and be grateful and recognize that God is God and I'm not. It should cause me to recognize that God is my Father and that he provides my every need. On the other hand, if things don't go so well and loss comes my way or bereavement or illness, then even in that, similarly, good luck, bad luck, who knows, this is my moment now to, to trust God more and say, Lord, um, I've just been diagnosed with cancer. This wasn't my plan. This is not something I want. But I continue to trust you. I continue to trust you. I continue to trust that, that, that there is this, this, this bigger picture, this ultimate goal which, which you have in mind for all of us. And that, that this bigger picture, this, this ultimate goal which God has in mind for all of us is, is heaven. Eternal happiness. So this, this life will eventually end and everything in it will eventually crash and burn. Everything that we build up will eventually go. Sounds a bit defeatist, but like even the world itself is eventually going to go bang, wallop, and blow up. Or the sun. I don't know which is first. Oh, it doesn't really matter. We'll be long gone. Uh, so like, even they're not going to last forever. So, but so we're aiming for something much, much, much better. So if you look at the life of, of, of St. Patrick, right? So he grows up in, in a Christian family. Uh, and everything seems to be good. He's from a, a, fairly, a fairly noble background, all good. And then slave traders, raiders, come from Ireland and take him at the age of 16 to Ireland to work as a shepherd. And I'm not sure if you've ever been to Schlemish Mountain. Um, it's quite possibly the most miserable little bump of a hill I've ever seen in my life. It's like a Christmas pudding. The, la the land is kind of a bit wobbly around it, but then there's this, this, this completely exposed bump of a hill, not a tree in sight. It's miserable. <laughs> Now imagine just being up there, day and night, night and day, uh, taking care of sheep. But again, good luck, bad luck, who knows? Again, we, obviously, just a little caveat there. I don't believe in luck either way, but it's just, you know, it's the, it's the expression, okay? Uh, but up on, on that hill then, this is where he begins to discover 
prayer. Now, he had heard about it beforehand. I mean, they, they were a Christian family. Uh, his father was a deacon. So, like, but, but at the age of 16, 17, 18, for the, for the next six years, he starts to discover prayer himself. And he uses this wonderful term, which uh, I think has come to mean a lot more to me recently. That these, probably the last kind of six months, it's something that, that, that has come up a couple of times. Uh, he uses the term t- about God. He refers to God as his Anamkara. Anamkara. So Anam is your soul, and Kara is your friend. The friend of my soul. So like this is back in the... So we born in, he was born in uh, 387, died in about 460. So he was discovering all of this in the early 5th century. This personal relationship with God. And to see him as a friend. And my goodness, I just find... He's, yeah, obviously, you know my name is, is, uh, is Patrick. What you don't know is my real name. Ha. The name that I use to avoid tax. So, um, so I, I, was, I was given the name Patrick. Um, that's, not my, that's not my baptismal name. Uh, we'll keep it a secret, I think. So, yeah, so in our, in our community, we're given a religious name. So I was given the name Patrick when I was, what, 23, I think was when my superior, they, they prayed about it and, and, and he gave me, gave me this name, Patrick. And what that means is St. Patrick is my saint protector, so he's supposed to be my example, a kind of a saint that I follow. And when, when I read through his, his, his writings, uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's uh, beautiful to see how humble the man was. He starts his confessions with, I am Patrick, a sinner and the simplest of peasants so that, that I am despised by the majority of men. So often in his confessions, he speaks about his, uh, his ignorance, that he wasn't very good at Latin, apparently. Uh, and even in, in his confessions, he's somewhat defending his mission here in Ireland. It seems other bishops didn't think that he was capable of it. So he worked on a hill, a miserable old bump of a hill, for six years. Now, again, this kind of good look, bad look, who knows? What happened while he was there? Well, while he was there, he learned the Irish language. He learned the rather strange Irish customs at times. He learned about the Irish weather and wildlife and everything. He learned about the culture of the Irish. So six years after that, he has a dream where he feels that he's called to leave. Now, some hypothesize that he went about Westport, Killala, out that direction, about 200 miles uh, west, and then uh, came back around to, it's not quite sure, th- after three days sailing, they hit land, uh, but then they were without food for 28 days. So I'm not really sure where, no one is really sure where they landed. Some say England, some say France, we don't really know. Uh, but for 28 days, they were without food. And the sailors that were with him, kind of like Jonah, were, were, were blaming him. He said, you, you've, bo- you've brought us bad luck. Good luck, bad luck, who knows? So then St. Patrick says, Our God is a God of plenty, and he has food everywhere. Pray to him, and he will provide. So they say some awkward prayer. St. Patrick obviously prays as well. And then a herd of pigs run out across in front of them and cover your children's ears. But they, they made rashers. And, uh, and they ate well for the next couple of days. And then they were able to go home. Okay, so, so like there's this instantaneous miracle. Once they, in, like, like Patrick had discovered it's Adam Carr, God as, as the friend of his heart. He knew him. 
he knew God. He knew he could trust him. He knew he could trust him with his heart. So while the slave traders had controlled everything externally, they, they controlled what he ate, they controlled where he slept, they controlled what he did, no one could control what was happening in here. So amidst all that adversity and slavery and poverty and misery and cold and wet and briars and brambles and thistles and bunions, God was working in his heart and was forming him into a missionary and forming his heart into that of a saint. So he gets back home and they're all delighted. But he feels the call of the Irish. And in a dream, he sees Victoricus arriving with a large bag of letters referring or relaying to him that the Irish were calling him back. Now again, think of the insanity of this. These are the people that just took six years of his life and six of probably his best years, like 16 to 22. Now like he feels called back to serve them as a priest when they stole and they, they would have obviously killed anyone who resisted when they were taking slaves. But such is his love for God, that this kind of good look, bad look, who knows, that, that such is his love for God that if, if, if the Lord is calling me back there, if my, the friend of my soul is calling me back to these people, then, then I will go. Trains as a priest, ordained as a bishop, and sent back. There's a good priest friend of mine uh, from, he used to serve in uh, Downpatrick, Father Jerry McCluskey is his name, and he gave us a tour here of uh, what he calls St. Patrick's Land, all the sites associated with St. Patrick. And so there's one particular area where it's quite probable uh, St. Patrick would have landed. And he showed it to us. And it was, for me, kind of, it was very, very special. Uh, the water is kind of shallow. It's, and it, it comes in, it's a very easy place to dock for a shallow boat. Uh, so we could just imagine St. Patrick coming across. No mitre, they didn't have mitres back then. Uh, but landing on the shore, greeted by some gruff farmer who wants this stranger dead and releases his hounds to kill this foreigner. So outrun these, these Irish wolfhounds or whatever they, that, that so, so legend has it, Irish wolfhounds running towards St. Patrick. But St. Patrick was a, had been a shepherd. So we don't know what exactly he did, but he knew how to calm the dogs anyway. So the dogs just kind of ruffled up against him and all good. And so very shortly afterwards, this, this farmer converted and gave a barn to St. Patrick in order to build the first church. Saul, Saul. That's where the first church was built. Saul, Saul means, uh, means barn in Irish. And so began this, 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 this mission of this man who wasn't Irish, who was a foreigner. English, Scottish-ish. The borders weren't there as they are now, but we, I, I prefer say, to say Scottish. <laughs> uh, and here he is now, understanding our language and culture. Now for him to be able to have such incredible success in a relatively short time, he landed here about 4.32. To kind of, like, I mean, this is, this is the day, these were the days when, when you travelled by walking, maybe horseback. Like, things were slow, you know, like you couldn't just put on a virtual mission and then just drive the next day to Galway or whatever. Like that, that just didn't happen. So it was slow progress. And yet, at the end of it, it seems the vast majority of the country also knew this Anamkara. They knew God as the friend of their heart. 
and he loved his people. One thing, there's two things, two aspects of, of St. Patrick that I, that, I, that I really admire. One, his love for sacred scripture, and two, his love for fatherhood. He knew what it was. Even the name Patrick comes from, comes from pater, means, meaning father, pater noster, if you know your Latin or father. Patrick means father. The name is derived from, from the word for father. And that's what he was to the Irish people. And so, unfortunately, after his, his mission had started, slave traders came from England to Ireland to do the same as the Irish had done previously. They'd go in, they'd raid a village, and they would take the men back to work, and they would take the women back to prostitution. So it was, a, it was a horrific sentence for either. And what really broke St. Patrick's heart about this whole thing is these men, under the command of Caroticus, they were Christian. Because they, they were, England had already been converted, they were Christian. So they had been baptized. And now here they are raiding fellow Christians, slaughtering those who resist, and bringing those who survived back to a horrific life. So his two, the two writings of St. Patrick that survive are the letter to Caroticus, condemning this man for what he had just done. He said that he, they cut down these Christians with the chrism still gleaming on their foreheads. He had just confirmed them the day before. And so he writes this absolutely condemnatory letter. It's, it's, it's an excommunication and everything but the word. The word didn't really exist. Uh, but he tells people to have no dealings with this man whatsoever. It seems to be the first cry against slavery in history. This was St. Patrick, a man who loved his people, a man who knew his people, and a man who would give his life for his people. A man who knew his own limitations, his own sinfulness, and never, ever boasted about his own ability, but did everything he did with absolute confidence that God would provide. So today, we ask for the renewal of the faith here in Ireland. We ask for the renewal of our seminaries, the renewal of priestly vocations, the, the renewal of, of the faith in parishes, parish pastoral councils, that we may continue to hold on to this personal relationship with our Anamkara, the friend of our soul, that we might know God, that we might know his heart, and that we might begin to take, 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 fulfill our role in renewing the country in this age-old Christian tradition. May we rediscover what it means to follow the Lord, to know him, to love him, and to serve him. Amen. So dear brothers and sisters, I'd just like to take this opportunity to thank you all for joining us on YouTube or on Paving the Way Home or on Spotify, wherever you've listened to these homilies. Thank you so much for being part of our mission and for continuing to support our mission. It was a great gift that during lockdown uh, we could branch out or broaden uh, our, our outreach so much uh, through technology. So it was, that's been a wonderful privilege and honour. Uh, I'd ask two things, if I may. <clears throat> One, that we'd really appreciate your prayers for our mission. So we have our young people here with us this year. And then there are also, there's a youth ministry, family ministry, and hopefully in the near future, men's ministry, which we hope to engage in. So we'll ask for your prayers for uh, all of those outreaches. And if you feel that the Lord is calling you to support us also financially, uh, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Uh, running a place like this is is not cheap and uh, 
we do need uh, benefactors' help to, to keep the show on the road and to keep our doors open and to keep this place of formation uh, alive for uh, the young people that come to us. We have opened our applications for next year as well. So if you know anybody who might like to apply, they can do so through our website, holyfamilymission.ie. And also, if you'd like to make any donations, you can do so through our website, holyfamilymission.ie, or send us an email if you'd like to uh, arrange some other form of donation. But we would be greatly, greatly appreciative of any support that you can give us uh, through your prayer and through your financial support. All right. So God bless, and we're praying for you here in Holy Family.